I want to speak today from a lot of experience, a lot of sharing with, with seminar people and stuff dealing with issues in their life. It's called Confessions of the Soul. And I'm going to, to um, be talking about two different areas, but probably in two different teachings. Uh, the, the, um, the main reason, there's two main reasons that we have to deal with sin in our lives is because God is offended, he hurts, he's like us. When people he loves goes against him, it hurts. And so we have to clear that up. But we also need to be able to humble ourselves. Now I'm going to cover each area so that we can understand what confession is all about. Now we need both repentance in our lives and confession. The two are a bit different, but they're both required. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And so repentance is very important because it expresses to God that we are sorry that we hurt him. We're sorry for the consequences, which is secondary, but our first concern should be we've broken the heart of God. With, with um, Noah and God looked out upon the world and there's so much sin, it says God was pained and grieved because of the sin. He, he created man to fellowship. He created man to, to give but to receive love and respect from. We rejected that and hurt him very much. So this verse in Proverbs says, we need to do both. We need to confess sin, which we're going to be dealing with today, but we also need to renounce it, which is the repentance that the New Testament would talk about. So that basically is the difference. Confession is simply an admission that I have sinned. It's very common uh, when we've been counseling with people and something comes along that that we would recognize as a sin in their life, but instead of calling it a sin, they're prone to say, well, I made a mistake, or I, I shouldn't have done that. There's a hesitation to call it sin, but we need to call it sin. I'm sure that if you saw it in somebody else's life, you wouldn't have any hesitation calling it sin. But if it's in your own life, you, you want to call it something a bit smoother, I made a mistake, or I shouldn't have done that. But we need to call it a sin. When we've said it's a sin, we are confessing that we recognize it's a sin, and that's what God's after, that we would humble ourselves. So in 1 Peter 1.9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and purifies from all unrighteousness. Notice there it talks about confessing our sins. It's true also of repentance that he will forgive. But the two are required. There's other passages that we talk about on the repentance teaching that would cover all the areas where, where we're called to repent. But this particular one I've chosen because it deals with the confession that we must make with our mouth. Now the thing with confession is, 
Some people believe that if I confess to God, that's good enough. The trouble with that is, it's not wrong, but the trouble with that is, you're not telling God anything he doesn't know. He already knows about your sin. As a matter of fact, he's probably sent the Holy Spirit to convict you of that sin so he can get it cleared up. And so confession to God isn't wrong, but it doesn't do the job that I believe the Bible wants it to do for us. And so there's an important step of actually admitting to people around us, to friends, to, to people that we trust that won't use it against us, uh, to, to admit that we have sinned. And, and if we need to ask them for forgiveness, if we've wronged them, to do that. But we're admitting that we have sinned. Now, one of the things that needs to tie in here, which I'm going to be teaching at a different time as well, but it has to do with Isaiah 58, verse 6. It has to do with fasting. Fasting breaks the bonds of wickedness and sets the captive free, Isaiah said, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be aware of the fact that when I'm confessing stuff and I'm repenting stuff, to add fasting to that breaks us and brings us into a place of humility and brokenness. So let's um, <clears throat> deal with the whole area of um, the fast just briefly. I want to teach on that later as well. You might be able to find it in the archives. But the, um, the truth is simply that when we confess our sins, we're not only just admitting to someone before God, before men and women that we love, that we have sinned. We're doing something else. We're humbling ourselves. If you stop and think for a few minutes, for you to go to the people that you trust and love, and you sit with that group, hopefully it's, a, say, a Bible study or a house group or a house church, some small group where you have the freedom to do things like this. That's been the best in our ministry. We work in small groups in this area to open up and say to them, I need to confess something. I need to tell you that I have sinned in this area. Or, or you, you, you don't have to go into detail, but you admit before them that you violated one of God's basic commandments. And you see, it says in James 4, 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he goes on in verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God. In other words, be obedient to the Lord and humble yourself. And resist the devil, he says, and, and he'll flee from you. As we humble ourselves, Satan hates the fact that we can humble ourselves. And fasting is key in this because even David said, I humble myself with fasting. But we're talking now about humbling ourselves by admitting to those in our group that we have sinned and we have fallen short of the Lord's standard for us. So I'm asking you now in the name of everything that's, that's, that's logical to, to hear me, 
that we need to confess our sins. 1 Peter 5, 5, the second half of that verse, is, is Peter's same thing. All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposed the proud but gives grace to the humble. That word clothe has, isn't just ordinary clothing. It has to do with the, with the apron that servants wore when they're serving their master. So put it on in order to serve. There's a difference between pride and humility. Let me share it with you. Um, pride is when I, I, I want to be closed up around my friends. I don't want them to see me as I really am. I want them to see me the way I project myself. I might boast a bit about how much Bible I've read or how many hours I spend in prayer. I want them to see me as really a godly man and, and they'll ooh and ah and think, wow, I wish I could be where he is. But you see, that's pride. It's pharisaical. That's what the Pharisees did. Everything they did was to be seen and approved of by man. But you see, humility says, I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to allow you to see me just the way I am, just the way God sees me. And I have this sin in my life. I need to, I need to confess because I want to have the freedom in my conscience. So that's why it's humbling. And I think most of you would agree that it's a humbling experience to confess to the people you love the people that your flesh wants to um, exalt you and make you look spiritual, but you humble yourself and say, um, I have sinned. So we're going to talk at this session about personal sins. I want to go to scriptures just to show you that they dealt with it very clearly in the book of Acts. You see, in Mark 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, it's talking here about John the Baptist and his ministry, and he was preaching repentance. That's the first thing that, that's recorded that come out of his mouth. He spoke repentance for the kingdom of God is here, he would say. So Mark 1.5 says, The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, John the Baptist, Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now listen, the whole, the whole Judean countryside, the people of Jerusalem, that's a lot of people, an awful lot of people. And you see, what um, John the Baptist was doing was giving, uh, allowing them repentance, and his repentance was associated with water baptism. If you were baptized, that means you repented of your sin. And you see the people out there, with all these people in shore, all of Judea, all of Jerusalem, your friends, your neighbors, your school chums, your work, your relatives, all these people, and they stood there and confessed their sins. That's humbling. James 5, 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You understand? There's a need here to humble ourselves before people. And then the promise from James, there's healing. Now, whether he's specifically talking about physical healing or whether he's talking about the healing of my soul because sin has left a scar on it, it doesn't really matter. In our ministry, we have seen countless times 
when people give us a testimony after a seminar is over when we've allowed time to confession. Countless times people have said, I realized after a few days that such and such a thing in my body was healed. Why is that? The, the reason I think it happens is because I've confessed my sin. I've had prayer before, but there is something that I hadn't confessed standing in the way. Now that I've confessed it, the Lord says, now I can heal them. That would be my opening on it. And again, in Acts 19, this is the church in Ephesus. It says, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. Now this, this is a church that was shocked because the sons of Sceva had got beat up and they were frightened. And so they came and said, we got to deal with our sin. That passage is known mostly because people burned their occult books. They were Christian people, but they had never um, separated themselves from the occult or they'd been drawn into it. And they said, we've got to deal with this. So what do we do in order to deal with, with, with um, these sins? Here's what I recommend. I hope you have time to write these down because... It's important. You can always go into the archives and pick this up and listen to it again. How do we begin to understand what I need to confess? Okay, I suggest you start with Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. By thanking the Lord for what he has done, you're, 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 you're um, entering into through the gates of his tabernacle. And then when you praise him, you enter into his courtroom. And so Hebrews 10.9 says something to add to that. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. So by thanking the Lord and praising the Lord, it brings me in. But if the enemy's there saying, oh no, you can't really come in because you're not holy enough, you need to look him in the eye and say, look him. I know I'm not. However, the blood of Jesus qualifies me to come in. You see, if I wanted to go to a baseball game and all the tickets are sold and I can't get in, but there's a guy comes up, he sees my disappointment, and he says to me, you want to go in? Yes, but I can't. I don't qualify. I don't have a ticket. He said, I have two. The one person couldn't come. You take the other one. He just qualified me. He just qualified me to make sure you heard me right. And you see, that's what the blood of Jesus does. It qualifies us. And then we need to ask the Lord when we're in that presence with him, praising him for a while. And if you don't know how to praise the Lord, find a psalm that talks about the greatness of God and just read it over, read it over a number of times. But that's praising the Lord when you, when you raise up his greatness in, uh, in, by your mouth. Ask the Lord to speak regarding any sin that needs to be confessed. Listen to his voice in your thoughts. Now, many Christian people we found over the years have no idea how to hear from the Lord. But Daniel has a good example. Daniel 4.19, when Nebuchadnezzar told him his dream, Daniel said, I was alarmed at my thoughts. I was terrified by them. And then later in chapter 7 of the same book, Daniel had a dream himself. And when he asked for interpretation, it says that the, the vision of the Lord that explained the dream came through his mind. So the Lord wants to use our mind, our thinking. 
And I suggest to you 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that says, bind up all your own thoughts and feelings. I just pray, Lord, I don't want to hear my thoughts and feelings. I want to hear your thoughts in the name of Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit to start speaking to you. And then you take the sin the Holy Spirit has identified and confess it as a sin. If you haven't repented of it, you need to repent of it as well. But confess it as a sin in the public place where you are. Ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you and to forgive those involved if there's other people that have hurt you and maybe you're confessing bitterness because you're hurt or whatever. And do that in that way. You're, you're doing what the Lord has asked you to do. You're, you're clearing the you're allowing the blood of Jesus to clear you out. Clear your conscience, clear the, the work of the Spirit within you so that you can stand be righteous before him. You know the Psalms, one of the earliest Psalms, who can ascend into the hill of the Lord? The answer is he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And you want that, so that's what repentance and confession does. And so remember that the Holy Spirit is there to help us, says in Corinthians, that... Uh, He's, he's been sent to convict man of sin. Um, I'm sorry, in John uh, 14 and 15, talks about only he's, he's there to convict man of sin. And so allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and declare to you um, what needs to be done. Daniel chapter 9, at the end of his, he, that's a great big long prayer where he's praying for the population of his nation that had been drawn into exile. But you see, after you've done your own confession of your own soul, then you start to stand in a place where God might want to use you as he used Daniel. I'll speak more about that in the next part of this teaching. The, the fourth thing I want to say is keep listening. If the Lord shows you something that you need to confess, confess it, repent of it if you need to, it doesn't hurt for you to say I break the curse because the curses are still among us. Some people teach they're not, but they are. And if you have doubts who to believe, then read the last chapter of Revelation. It tells you very clearly when the curse is going to be finished. Last chapter of Revelation, Revelation 22. Go ahead. Find out for yourself. I'm not arguing with you. And we need to thank Jesus for his work on the cross all through this time of listening. If I'm listening and the Lord shows me something and I deal with it, it's important then that I listen for the next one. Is there not something else, Lord, I need to hear? Is there something else I need to confess? You can do this on your own sometime and then just write it on a list and bring it to your group if you want to. You can do it in the group, which we often do with our staff and with people that do seminars. It's important that we recognize that God is there in order to forgive us. He's not there to condemn us. You all know John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. You know that. But in the next verse, John 3:17. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him people could get saved. I'm paraphrasing a wee bit, but that's what that verse says. He doesn't want us to be condemned. He wants us to be a people of freedom and purity. And so let's work at this, people, because 
The Holy Spirit, his job is here to help us deal with this stuff so we can walk clean before the Lord in his purity and his holiness, which he gives to us as a gift. We can't walk in our own righteousness. People try to do that, but you see the Pharisees did that, and Jesus rebuked them, John the Baptist rebuked them, Paul rebukes them, because they tried to have their own righteousness. By obeying the law, they obeyed. They obeyed to the best of their ability, but Jesus and Peter both said, and Paul says, that's righteousness based on the law. Your job is to ask God, Lord, search me. Search my heart, O Lord. Search me and know what's going on inside of me. Psalm 139. I'll read it for you. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And so in this whole ministry of the Holy Spirit, of bringing us into place of being convicted, of being able to confess our sins, God's plan is simply this, that he could look at his church primarily. He could look at you and he says, even though we're going to sin on a day-by-day basis, because the Bible is very clear that we will sin. Even though you do, I still love you. I'm still with you. I haven't rejected you. But the only thing that God is looking at that grieves him is when we refuse to repent. We refuse to humble ourselves in confession. And we think we can hide it. We think we can keep people from seeing what's really going on in my heart. Well, I might be able to convince people I'm a really righteous person, even though there's rotten stuff inside of me. But I can never fool God. Never fool God. Because he knows. He said to Solomon, he says, I go through the earth. I search the man's hearts. And I even know the thoughts and the intention of their thoughts. That should scare us. Because we're in a place where if, if God is, is watching us, not with a critical eye, not with a judgmental eye, but an eye that says, what can I do to bring them back? What can I do to get their soul clean of that sin? What can I do? I know what I'll do. I'll send a, the ultimate sacrifice. And he let his own sin, son die on the cross so that he could deal with our sin. And so the price that Jesus paid, we need to take it seriously that God did all that so that I can simply go to the Lord and say, Lord, would you search my heart? Would you know, Lord God, you've already heard my thoughts. You know my intention, which is wrong. You may have, you may have seen my heart being deviated away from uh, causing you to be my first love. But I know, Father, I know in the name of Jesus that you will forgive me as I confess my sins you are faithful and just to forgive us my sins, as John said, as I read earlier. It's very important in our relationship with the Lord to keep our record clean before him, that everything that God sees when he looks into my heart, everything he sees is the blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus has been applied to me in my heart and to you in your heart when we repent and confess our sins. It's important 
that we keep on top of it. Somebody might say, well, my goodness, I'll spend the rest of my life just confessing stuff. That's not necessary. If you fall in love with Jesus, you don't want to disobey him. You don't want to sin. And you will set your course where you're going to say, I'm not going to sin. When you fall, you know how to deal with it. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of speaking to the people that are watching this. I thank you for the privilege of being able to say, Jesus will, wants to redeem you. Lord, take this, cause it to grow, cause it to be seed in their lives. And we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.